Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who, what he needs is a good defense because he's feeling like a criminal. Here's my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. I mean. So for this episode, we have a special guest. You might uh, remember that Kaylee Goldsworthy, a former guest, referred us over to him. He has uh, been in a been a drummer in a number of bands, and I'm sure we're going to talk about those, uh, most notably Thursday. So please welcome to the podcast, Tucker Rule. Hello. Happy to be here. So premise of our podcast is fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each podcast, I ask the all-important question, what T-shirt are you wearing? Let's start with Wayne. What T-shirt are you wearing? I'm wearing a shirt I just got the other day. Uh, it's Sub Pop Records. It's the black with the white logo. Fantastic. Can't can't go wrong with some Sub Pop. Definitely not. How about you, Tucker? What T-shirt are you wearing? I'm also wearing a fairly new T-shirt. It's a Questlove T-shirt. And it's a uh, nice. three, three-quarter sleeve. Uh, my friend Perry made it, and he is a... Uh, his name is Perry Shell. He's like a t-shirt god. He's got a huge collection of vintage t-shirts, and uh, he makes some cool ones. So I, I, I nabbed this one from him. So nice. wait, he makes a, he makes his own t-shirts. He makes his own, but he also has like a crazy collection of vintage t-shirts, like more than most people put together. If Wayne <laughs> asks you for his contact information, <laughs> you need to turn him down. <laughs> I could, I have thrown the idea around of making my own T-shirts, but uh, at this point, I'm just, just I'm paying money to other people. I'm I'm on board with that. We've been talking about doing T-shirts for the podcast, so let's let's do some vintage stuff. Maybe that's our uh, that's our quarantine side project. Wayne is uh, designing vintage-looking custom tees. I'm on vacation, so I, I, I will. I got a lot of yard work to do, but I will try to try to fit some of that in. I'm thinking Fantastic. that you guys get number one and two, so can I have number three? Hot off the bat. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we'll hook you up. Awesome. Uh, so I'm wearing uh, I'm wearing a T-shirt that I've worn a, a number of times on the on the podcast. So I'm wearing my Menzingers T-shirt. I love Menzingers. That- nice. Because because that's really what uh, started this whole referral trail was having Tom May from the Menzingers on, and he referred us to uh, to Roger Harvey, who referred us to Kaylee, who referred us to you, Tucker. So awesome. um, I feel uh, good to be a part of that lineage. Absolutely, yeah. it's a good referral good trail. We love we, we love it. And uh, I was just looking at the numbers the other day, Wayne. So Kaylee's Kaylee's episode is uh, one of our most downloaded episodes of 2020. Nice. Yeah, I think uh, so. yeah, I think I think people have have really uh, really wanted to hear some gin blossoms love, which <laughs> we uh, which we absolutely gave on that uh, on that episode. So Tucker, are you a gin blossoms fan at all? Uh, I you know, I, I dabbled. I never, I never, I never went head first, but I, you know, I, I, I felt the water. Never fully embraced. Never fully embraced. Didn't buy the CD. No, never bought the CD, but I, you know, never, never was a hater either. N- didn't Napster any of them? <laughs> no, no Napstering. I did not uh, call Lars or or anything like that to. Uh, right. 
Oh boy. Yeah. That's, that's a whole other episode. We could talk about all of the stuff that we downloaded illegally on Napster back in the day. Um, so, so I'm looking at your resume. So you have toured the world with a number of bands. So why don't we just kind of go through the list here? Cause, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know a few of them Okay. just because I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, a rock, you know, hard rock guy, or I don't know, what would you call Thursday? What genre of rock would you consider that? Well, you know, it's, it's, it, it got the emo tag. Yeah. I was going to say a long time ago, but we always thought of ourselves as like a post hardcore, you know? Yeah. And I, I, you know, names kind of get thrown around for every little thing. Everybody likes to pick something so they can pigeonhole something. But I mean, our music is a touch emotional and a little, you know, sad and poetic and all that stuff, you know, vocally. So lyrically. Uh, so I guess, I guess I would say people think it's emo. Okay. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a sad person. (laughs) I wear white occasionally. So. There you go. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm I would not consider myself post hard rock, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm not an emo guy. Um, Wayne can attest to that. Uh, I'm I'm the Americana guy out of this duo, and Wayne is more the the the, the punk guy out of this. Um, Wayne, you you uh, I think I had texted you earlier in the week. I said, you know, you're. Uh, your son-in-law, Alex, chose Thursday's War All the Time as one of his 10 essential albums. So, you know, that, I don't know if you guys, well, I know Wayne's not on Facebook. Tucker, are you on Facebook? I am on Facebook, yeah, unfortunately. So, so uh, you, can, you can tell that a lot of people are bored right now because they're, like, nominating people to, you know, pick your top 10 essential records and... Uh, pick your top 10 uh, goofiest photos from your senior year of high school. And um, and I just, I hate all of them. My favorite um, is, uh, what's the fourth photo in your phone? Don't lie. You know, it's like. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyways, Alex chose War All the Time as one of his 10 essential albums. And I was like, hey, Alex, uh, I got Tucker coming on on the, the podcast. And so I, I, you know, I asked him. So where do I start? Where do I start in the uh, uh, in the Thursday catalog? And he gave me some suggestions, and I, I listened to a few. And okay, yeah, yeah. So so as we go through your the the groups that you are part of, uh-huh. I I, I want to ask you. So what is the one song from Thursday that you enjoy playing the most on drums? So there's a song off uh, the last record, which is called No Devolution. The song is called No Answers. Can you hear it in the parking lot? It only speaks when spoken to. Can you find it in the matter of
and it's a uh, it's a very moody song. It just has a really fun groove in the beginning that I that I like. I just really like the song lyrically. I like the song. It's it's got a cool soundscape to it. Um, it's definitely not only my favorite song to play, but one of my favorite songs we've ever written as a band. Okay. So, so what's the writing process? Uh, are you guys writing together? Is somebody the primary songwriter? How, how does that work it's, for Thursday? It's all together. You know, the, the, the best stuff for us always happens when we're all in the room. I mean, people, you know, everybody will bring something to the table, like a riff or, a, you know, a part, something. And uh, we all kind of put our own little spin on it and then, you know, kind of mold it together through suggestions from one another. And then, you know, lyrics and, and vocals are usually the last thing. But, our, you know, our singer Jeff is usually in the room either writing along on guitar or he's just like plotting his melodies while, while we do it. It's, it's kind of an all, all in process for everybody. Gotcha. Are you guys officially together again? Cause I, I had read something that uh, you guys had broken up, but it looked like you guys did a big tour in what, 2018? Yeah, 2018. Um, and a little bit of 2019, if I can remember correctly. Yeah. The beginning of 2019. Uh, I, I, we, we are, you know, we do it when we can, you know, everybody's kind of, we've been a band for 20 years on and off. So there came a time in, in music where we were touring so much that we weren't making a lot of money. It was kind of when, when uh, you know, people started like labels were going under here and there and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, the music industry was kind of crumbling and, and people weren't selling records and, you know, touring like show uh, tickets were ticket sales were not high, so we were touring like nine months out of the year, but not coming home with enough money. So we were like, God, we can't. Yeah. We have no time to get a job because you're only home for two or three months, right? You know, at, you know, not even at a time like over the course of the year, and then you're 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 just working and coming home with nothing. So it was we had to kind of split up to, to, to take care of ourselves. We, we, we ended it in 2012, I believe on really good terms with each other. We were all still friends. So, you know, we just decided to put it off for a little while so we can get our lives, uh, in check. Is that, is that because the emo kids grew up and got their own jobs and (laughs) probably (laughs) and realized that they could no longer go to like shows on a Thursday night? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think it might have something to do with it. I, I just, Music got really weird for a while. I feel, um, you know, yeah. and people stopped caring, and you know, there was a point in time where people wanted to hear the first two records, and they didn't care about the new stuff. And then, you know, it's always that thing where you put out a new record, nobody really like likes it, and then four years later, you put out another new record, and they they then they start liking the record before that. You know, it's, right, right. Yeah, we just had uh, Eric Bazilian from the Hooters on a couple weeks ago. Uh-huh. And uh, I was asking him, so are you guys going to make another record? And he's like, well, our fans say they want another record. But every time we play it live, that's usually the time that everybody's going to grab a beer or you know, go to the bathroom. Yep. So, yeah. You, you become one of those legacy artists that uh, you play the first two records just to appease everybody? Yeah. You know, we just did a tour where we basically did those first two records front to back and it's funny playing playing them as a 40 year old man as opposed to a 20 year old man when i when i started <laughs> right right <laughs> not only right. in stamina but like why would i play that <laughs> i know it's so much more now 
I could have refined this so much had I known, you know, at 40, what I knew at, or at, at 20, what I knew at 40, you know? Right. Does it seem weird playing those songs where you're talking about being the angsty teenager where now you're, well, you're, you're a dad now. I am. I am. And so congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Nothing, nothing better than having a a quarantine to, uh, you know, keep you, you know, in in getting to know each other. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, this is a perfect time for you to have paternity leave then, right? Exactly. I am on leave for the rest of the year, at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, play, playing the angsty stuff. I mean, we all, I feel like when you, when you buy a record, when you're in your teens or your twenties, you, you, you kind of always love that record. You know, you, even when you get older, like that's your taste of music still. Mm-hmm. So I feel like even when you, you know, writing music and playing music, I, I still enjoy playing those songs to a certain extent. You know, it's still, I still, it kind of zaps me back, back in time a little bit. And I can remember where I was when we were like conceiving these songs and it's just, yeah. it's, it's interesting. It's, it's every, every, every kind of show we play is a weird flashback. You, you get some sort of weird flashback <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah. Nothing wrong with the flashbacks. We, exactly. uh, yeah, we, we, we love, I mean, part of this podcast is revisiting old records that we haven't talked about forever or um maybe we've forgotten or overlooked and um but we also get to talk to people about their new music that they're putting out so we get kind of get the best of both worlds with with that so i love it it's great yeah this is a uh all all right so a couple other uh bands that you were part of so yellow card yes so they're they're originally from Florida. So they when were you with them? Florida. I was with them from, I believe, 2000, geez, 2014 to 2016. Um, they had parted ways with their drummer and had made a new record. And my friend Arun, who plays in this band called Saves the Day, uh, gave me a call. And he was like, hey, uh, what are you doing right now? What's, you know, what's your schedule like? And I was like, well, right now I'm kind of in between things, you know not wanting to say I'm doing nothing. So I said, I'm between things. And, uh, he's like, well, you know, I, t- uh, yellow card, you know, some of the dudes from yellow card were asking if, uh, for suggestions and your name definitely came up. So a couple of days later I get a call from Ryan key, the singer. And, you know, we, we have known each other for many years, uh, through warp tour and such. And, uh, yeah, so they, they flew me out to LA for a tryout and I got the gig. So I played with them for about two years and it, it was a lot of fun, you know, and, you know, I didn't do their last tour um, because they, they, they recently broke up. But, you know, it was it was fun to be a part of that for a while. What's uh, what what was the one song that you loved playing with uh, with Yellow Card? I mean, I, I got to say Ocean Avenue because it's yeah. it was, it's yeah. the one, you know what I mean? It's 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 a, yeah. it's a ripper. But I also, you know, they had a couple songs on on their new record at the time called lift the sail uh there's a song called uh transmission home i believe it was the first song off the record that was a fun one to play it was a more groovier uh tune from them rather than their their more punk stuff this was like a groovier rock song so that was that was a lot of fun a lot of space
So so walk me through how you got hooked up with the wanted. So we so Thursday put out two records on Island Def Jam. And we had a person working with us at Island named Eric Wong. Um, Eric Wong has, you know, he went on to manage Mariah Carey. Now I believe he's like head of, uh, I, I don't know what label, maybe Universal. I don't know, but he's he's a big deal and he's a he's a rad guy. And I Thursday had just broken up and I stayed in touch with him. And one day I, I hit him up. I sent him an email like, hey, if you're ever looking for, you know a drummer to come in if you want to give an artist a showcase or something and he or she needs a, a, a band or a drummer, you know, I would love to be that person. You know, I was living in New York at the time, so I was local. And, um, I was like, yeah, I'll do anything, anything in the studio. Just, you know, don't, you know, feel free to please call me, <laughs> you know? And, uh, a couple days later he, he, he called me and he was like, Hey dude, he's like, I got, I got uh, a gig for you. And I was like, okay, what's the deal? He's like, well, it's in a week. It's a showcase for uh, this band called The Wanted. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, he gave me like the rundown of the pay, and I was like, oh, that's that's really great. And he's like, I need you to pick up a guitar player and a bass player. So I had a couple people in mind. And um, at the time, I was playing in a band called Murphy's Law, which is a le- legendary uh, oh, hell yeah. hardcore band yeah. from, from New York. Uh, so I had assumed that you know it w- The Wanted were a, a punk band. So I was like, oh, yeah, okay, cool, The Wanted, new new punk band, all right. And I hung up, and I, I asked the, the dudes that I that I got to play in the band with me, um, and they were like, yeah, what kind of music is it? I was like, you know what? I think it's punk, but I didn't ask. Let me call him back. So I called him back, and he was like, oh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a boy band. I was like, come again? He's like, yeah, a boy band from England. And I was like, so, like, you mean, like, like, like in sync? Backstreet Boys boy band. He's like, oh, yeah, like exactly that. I was like, okay, <laughs> that's that. All right, you know, I, I'm one of those people that you know, if it's music, if it was sports, whatever, I you know, I, I try to fake it till I make it. You know what I mean? So I was like, yeah, I, I could do that. I could, I could figure this out. So by the seat of our our pants, we made it work. And, yeah, uh, we were with uh, we with them for like four years, three three and a half years. It was it was a wild ride. We played like a bunch of TV shows that I never thought I would play, and uh, it's just a crazy experience. And it, it it felt really pro too. Like you, I, I felt like a pro musician. You know, I was doing doing like I said, TV where you have to almost be you know as kind of humanly perfect as possible because when you have singers in front of you that don't really play music, you know, on stage they they expect the songs to be the same every single night and, and the timing to be exactly the same. And when you don't get anybody turning around giving you death stares, you, you feel pretty good about it. <laughs> uh, and I'm assuming it paid well. It did. It did. It, it, it carried me through for, for, for a bunch of years. That's good. That's yeah. good. That way you can take the paternity leave during. Exactly. The yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's good. Um, all right. So I know I'm going to get, uh, Wayne all excited when I, when I ask you this question. So, uh, you were, you were, you toured with my chemical romance for, for, for a time. I did. I so did. Wayne, yeah. what's your, I know you're a big chem, my chemical romance guy. As much as I can be. <laughs> see, see, I, I, I made him speechless on that. So what, what, so, so what's your, uh, what's your go-to songs that you like playing for, for my chemical romance? I mean, I loved playing Helena because, uh, it was just, 
I, I've known those guys forever. Uh, my my singer from Thursday actually produced their first record, so I, you know, oh. just known them okay. for for a very long time. We're both from New Jersey, and I remember hearing the first record. And I was like, "Oh, this stuff is great," you know. And and then all of a sudden, the next record came out, and I saw Helena on on MTV, and I was like, "Whoa, this song has like the biggest chorus." Yeah, it's that's that's my favorite chorus. song from them. Yeah, and uh, so I mean that song is just a really fun song to play because people go ape, you know, nuts. And, uh, it's just, it's, it's a great song. And I, I, I filled in, uh, on drums for them for a month in the Pacific Rim, like, uh, Hawaii, uh, Malaysia, Singapore. Um, I think we did Australia and New Zealand as well. Um, because their drummer at the time had a, had a, a bad hand. He had injured some tendons or something, tendonitis, and he needed surgery. And, so they called me in, and uh, it was definitely a wild ride. Uh, great dudes, great band, a lot of fun. Yeah, and a lot of what, pyro. <laughs> What's the? Uh, where is the one place in the world that w- was the uh, most unexpected that maybe you didn't even know existed that you that you got to play in? Um place i don't uh let me think i don't i don't know i mean or were you a geography guy in in high school and you just knew where every every place was i mean there was a time where i would just wake up and be like where am i now uh and and didn't really know until somebody said hey you know hello cleveland or whatever you know so i i don't know every everywhere is okay Recently, we played uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico at the Meow Wolf, which is this crazy venue. Oh, yeah. I, I just never knew that, th- that this type of place was on the planet, and it, I had no idea you could even play music there. It was, re- it was crazy. It's like, was uh, the documentary not out yet? <laughs> no, I, I, had not, I, I didn't even know there was a documentary. Still, you yeah. just told me there was. I had, no, I had no idea that this was a thing. That place is, looks crazy. It's awesome. Yeah. I highly recommend, even if you're not going to see a show, just go there for the day and walk around because it is a trip. And you, if you haven't seen the documentary of, of how that place kind of got started, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool stuff. Um, makes me wish that I was an artist. So, so cool. Yeah. All right. So last question before we start, uh, talking about the record that you chose. So I, I wanted to ask you one other thing about uh, you that I found on your website. Okay. So it meant it mentions that you didn't start playing drums until you were 18. Yes. That, that, that seems uh, crazy to me that you have been a hired gun for a number of well-known bands yet. Uh, you, you came to the party late, very late. And un- unfashionably late. <laughs> yeah. So, what were you doing in your teens instead of uh, banging the drums in your mom's garage? Well, I, you know, growing up, I was I was baseball, football, basketball. Like my mom coached my baseball teams when I was a kid. Uh, you know, so I came from a sports family. Um, and then in high school, I discovered skateboarding. So I I, I got like headfirst into skateboarding. Like it's I literally lived and breathed it. And that's where I found a bulk of my music. Um, especially like cool hip hop, you know, like souls of mischief and, 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 you know, the hieroglyphics and then a a bunch of punk rock and hardcore. Um, 
so I, I started because of skateboarding, I met a bunch of like-minded people that liked all this kind of underground music. And I would go to shows on the weekends, you know, I'd have my mom drop me off or whatever. And then I, you know, turned like 17, I got licensed. So I was able to drive to these shows and I would just watch the drummer. Like, like I, for some reason I just was enthralled by the drums and, uh, my friend got a drum kit and he, I was the singer, he was the drummer. And at one day he was like, you know what? I think I don't really want to play drums. And I was like, mm. well, I think I kind of do want to play drums. Like I don't want to be in the front. Like I don't like being in the front. And uh, so I, I just picked up sticks and I bought the drum kit off of him. And I, I literally played every day since then for like four hours, five hours a day. Wow. And I, That's you cool. know, I kind of found, you know, something that was my passion, but something that I also didn't mind working at, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and then turned it into a job, I guess. So. Do you hear that kids at home? It's never too late to start something that you love. It really isn't. And it's never too late to like fall into something that you love and be like, Oh my God, I had no idea that I was into, you know, Frisbee golf or whatever it may be. Right. <laughs> Well, Wayne, Wayne and I are late bloomers on the podcasting thing. So, uh, you know, we uh, we waited until we were, what, 49 to to, to start this podcast and uh, found out we had a passion for this crap. So that's true. It's, it's very rare that people find something that they, they, they click with. You know what I mean? So for so long, you kind of do what you're told to do or, you know, do stuff that you don't really want to do that puts, you know, food on the table or whatever. So it's nice yeah. when you can find something that you're like, you know, really feel passionately about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Never too late to start. Absolutely. All right. Um, so here's the transition question from interview section to the record that uh, you chose. So Toto's Africa, good or bad song? I think it's a great song. Okay. And I, I by great, I mean like the musicianship on that is just amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Wayne. Yeah, that, well, it happens. It's another <laughs> another one from my column. Uh, we we are we've been asking this question for over a year, and we're uh, we're we're about ready to retire it. And what better way to ask uh, ask somebody uh, a potential replacement question because you're a Jersey guy? Yes. And so we're thinking of replacing it with what's your favorite Billy Joel song? Ooh, what's my favorite Billy Joel song? Yeah. Uh, that's a tough one. Um, we threw we threw this out to uh, a recent guest who she she lives in California and she couldn't come up with an answer. And I think that it's because she's a California person as opposed to, you know, an East Coast person because when I throw this out to the East Coast people, they like start running through their mind of, well, do I pick this song or do I pick this song? It's not a, it's not a, it's not a question of, do I know any Billy Joel songs? No, it's a, which, which one do I choose? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like how, like how do I funnel all 400 million of them that are coming into my brain right now? Right. Right. I mean, New York state of mind is always great. And I always like, you may be right. Yeah, you can't go wrong with you. Yeah. Maybe right. Yeah, there are, and there are no, there are no wrong answers. 
except for River of Dreams. That's the wrong answer. <laughs> that's a stay there. I think there is. Yeah, you didn't start the, the fire. Shouldn't answer. be your favorite song. Uh, it should <laughs> should should not be either. No um, one should start any fires. No, no. All right. Well, Tucker, tell us what record you chose to revisit for this episode. So I chose Fiona Apple's "When the Pawn." All right. So what were some other records that you uh, you thought about? Well, originally when when I you know I you, you emailed me, I was my favorite band is of all time is this band called Quicksand. It's a it, another legendary New York post-hardcore band, uh, and I love both their records, Slip and Manic Compression. I was like, oh, obviously it's going to be that. And then my wife and I were driving somewhere, uh, probably to get diapers or some, something that we're only allowed <laughs> to leave the house for, you know, once a week. And uh, I, she played When the Pawn, and I was like, oh my God, this is my favorite record of all time, and I can't, I, can't, I forgot about it. Yeah. So uh, this podcast has, has reconnected me with that record in, in a way that I'm, I'm very grateful for because the, the record just is from front to back. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Very Agreed. cool. So, so let me just get this out of the way first. Um, the new Fiona Apple record is off the chain. I, I gotta be honest with you. I've listened to it once and I, I can't say that I loved it, but I liked it and I want to listen to it more. Do it, do it, do it for the second time. Because okay. the first, the first time I listened to it, I was like, "Eh, that's okay." And then I listened to it again. I'm like, "This might be my favorite record of 2020." That's get that gets me really excited. Yeah, and look, there's there's plenty of records that are going to be out for contention for that title. Um, but yeah, fetch the bolt cutters. If people have not listened to that, they need to go do that. And the song "Ladies" from that is probably going to be in my most listened to songs list for 2020, Wayne. Just giving you a spoiler alert on that. <laughs> awesome. All right. Uh, so bio info on the record. So I know you you said When the Pawn. Um, yeah, that's not the full title. No. <laughs> okay. So here we go. Here's the full title. You guys ready? <laughs> Strap in. When the pawn hits the conflicts, he thinks like a king. What he knows throws the blows when he goes to the fight and he'll win the whole thing for he enters the ring. There's no body to batter when your mind is your might. So when you go solo, you hold your own hand and remember that depth is the greatest of heights. And if you know where you stand, then you know where to land. And if you fall, it won't matter because you know that you're right. I practiced that. (laughs) Um, so, so that's why it's frequently a bridge to when the pawn, thank God, because that is a super, yes. Um, guys realize that this, uh, this album is in the Guinness book of world records. Oh, no longer. Is it no longer? No, actually, uh, Chumbawamba, I think. Oh, did it overthrow it? Yeah. Somebody else did fairly quickly, like must've had to have been their intention. And then I, I think the last thing I read was Chumba Wumba. I, I didn't even know there was, I don't know when that was, but yeah, that they, okay. they beat it like 150 characters or something. Yeah. We're talking about longest, the longest album title. Okay. So it was in the Guinness book of world records. Wow. Um, all right. This is the second studio album was released in November of 1999 and uh, Wayne, 
this was produced by John Bryan. Yeah, and you know, um, I would have I would have guessed that too on a couple of tracks. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> we 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 did an episode a few months ago about John Bryan's only what would you call it? Pop record, rock record, uh, non non soundtrack score record. So, anyways, um, this He's a was guy. yes, yes, he is. So, this was nominated for best alternative album f- at the Grammys for two thousand one, which I don't get, but maybe someone can explain to me when deadlines are for the dates for records and songs. Because I thought it came out in 99, but okay. Two years later. <laughs> yeah. Um, here were the nominees. You guys ready? Ready. So so Radiohead won for Kid A. That was that was the winner. I get it. So, if, yeah, I, I do too, even though I, I've never been able to get into Radiohead. Um, I'm going on record. Don't at, <laughs> don't at me, people. Um because I know, I, I know as soon as I say that, I'm going to get a text from from my best friend who's going to listen. Because uh, he's been trying for years to have me ab- aboard the Radiohead train. Uh, Beck, Midnight Vultures, was also nominated. The Cure, Blood Flowers. And um, here we go. You guys ready for, for the uh, last nominee? Yes. Liverpool Sound Collage from... Paul McCartney. Hmm. When has Paul McCartney been alternative? (laughs) Yeah. Good, 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 good question. I guess in the mid fifties. Yeah. sounds like I need to go maybe listen to that record to see if that is actually um, alternative or not. Um, so, so Tucker, I listen to this record a little bit, uh, with the standpoint, I always try and, and, figure out why our guests are choosing the record. And uh, I started listening to it from a percussion and drum standpoint. Uh-huh. And there are, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this on a couple of the songs, but um, the drummers that they have on this record are amazing. Yes. Okay. So, so let me just throw out a, there's there's three different drummers right. and I I didn't I didn't have I didn't have the liner notes as to who was on which song other than one I know for certain Matt Chamberlain is on one one particular one if you guys don't know Matt Chamberlain you absolutely know his stuff he has been on records from David Bowie The Who Soundgarden Tori Amos Morrissey um, shall I go on okay here here's here's some more. Uh, Kanye West Bruce Springsteen Rufus Wainwright Bob Dylan Noel Gallagher Nico Case John Mayer Leonard Cohen Frank Ocean Pearl Jam Elton John Danny Elfman Randy Newman and has also worked with Hans Zimmer Marco Beltrami and oh by the way he's worked with John Bryan on soundtrack work as well also he was the the most recent drummer live for Soundgarden. Yes. Okay. Because Matt Cameron, who is the Soundgarden drummer, always has and always will be, was with Pearl Jam. Right. So Chamberlain came in and filled those mighty big shoes. 
or Chamberlain, Chamberlain came in and filled Cameron's Mighty Big Shoes on uh, Soundgarden. Last time I saw Soundgarden live, this was before Chris um, Chris died. Uh, Cameron was on the drums. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that last record that they did, the full record, that is Chamberlain. I know that Chamberlain played uh, did the Nine Inch Nails tour when Soundgarden was opening. Oh, okay. There you go. Um, all right. So that's the first guy. So James Keltner is also on this record. He's on the track called I Know, which is the last track. Uh, okay. And he's known primarily for his session work. Um, and he's been with everybody as well. Uh, one of my favorites of all time. He's just yeah. the, the guy. And then last but not least is Butch Norton. Mm-hmm. And he was, he's best known for being the drummer for the Eels. Yeah. Um, and he's worked with everybody as well. Uh, Tracy Chapman, Amy Mann, Michael Penn, Rufus Wainwright, Lucinda Williams. Just um, phenomenal. Yeah. So I, I believe Chamberlain was on one through five uh, and then seven through nine. Gotcha. Okay. Perfect. Because uh, I was going to ask you <laughs> during a couple of the songs, I'm like, all right, is this Butch or is this uh, Chamberlain? All right. If you if you didn't know, you would think that it's one person through the whole thing because it's just it's yeah. these people are just like built differently. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. All right. Um, let's let's do the track by track. So as a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? Just 10. Which means our top song is going to get 10 points. Next favorite, nine points on Dan to lowest score of one. Here we go. Here's the first song. Here's On the Bound. Tucker, get us started. What what do you what do you love about On the Bound? I mean, that's that's the, you know, as an opening track, it's so moody. Um, I just and I just love Fiona Apple's voice. I mean, I it when I got this record, it was so different than all the music I had been listening to. Um, so it was such a breath of fresh air to hear something so moody, but like so musical, but like still kind of heavy in a weird way. Um. And it definitely just, for me, it was like a, it was like school, like music school. I was like, wow, these people are, like I said before, they're just built differently. It's crazy. Yeah. Great opening track. We talk about this all the time about you want to set the mood for the opening track. And, uh, this is a good way of doing it. And, and, and definitely starts out with her piano work, which, um, you know, really, I think characterized her first record and you want you want to continue to capitalize on, on that sound. And, and I think that this record definitely is a 
great follow-up to to title so that that first song on the bound definitely had this crazy it was like almost this carnival circusy feel in like a creepy way too i just uh, it, it just so mm. eerie to me i loved it yeah it's a great it's very representative of of, of what's of what's coming you know what's in this whole package and yeah the piano I guess the word that kept coming to mind was deliberate. I mean, like she's really like pounding each individual key. It's really, it, it's, it's very deliberate. And uh, I love that about it. And all, it's, it's just really, it's got some great jazzy stuff in it. And then, and like I say, her voice, she, you know, there's going to be comparisons. Uh, the the names that kept popping in my head were Nina Simone and, and Billie Holiday, but she just has this very, it's very moody is a great word for it. But uh, I think that this, this song highlighted how good this record was because I didn't give this a very high score because um, I just liked, I liked it as much as I liked it. I liked most everything else even more, but I, and part of it was John Bryan at the end starts throwing in um, like, it almost sounds like a, like somebody dialing a phone with all these weird, all these kind of computer generated sound effects in the end, which I guess they, for me, they had no context. And so that's when I just scratched my head. (laughs) Right. Uh, I would say I, I really dig this song. However, it it kept creeping lower on my scores just, and part of it is, um, you know, I'm a lyric guy and lyrically this is, one of the one of the songs on the record that I didn't feel was super strong lyrically, but I have to I have to reference. I love that she. One of my favorite quotes is "Hell hath no fury," uh, like this like a, like a woman scorned, and she just she references it in a way in a very clever way, which I I did take notice of. Uh, but that was definitely the highlight. Yeah, are you talking about "And the future is on the bound"? Hell don't know my fury. Yeah. Just that little reference to it, I thought was very clever, because we—I mean, everybody knows that quote, so you don't yeah. need to say anymore. You don't need to beat us to death with it. And if you've been married, you absolutely know that. If you have—if you have known a woman, then it's—you it's, don't have to be that close. True, true. All right, uh, this is my five. Tucker, what do you got? I got nine for that one. Okay. Or actually, no. My—you uh, mean how do I say it? It's my number two song. My second favorite. Okay. Yes, that is correct. Yes. Yeah, so I, I guess it gets nine points. And then Wayne? A three. All right. Next song is To Your Love. Here's another speech you wish I'd swallow. Another cue for you to fold your heels. Another train of thought too hard to follow. Chicken along to the song that belongs to the shifting of gears. Please forgive me for my distance. Plain as evident in my existence. Please forgive me for my distance. The shame is manifest in my resistance to your love. To your I had to do see this is this is the kind of stuff that I go down wormholes. So she talks about my my daring do allows me to <laughs> I did the exact same thing. Did you did you go look up I had to find out what a rigadoon was, yeah. I did the yeah. same. <laughs> okay. 
So we all we all went to look and found out that it's a French Baroque dance. Uh, yeah. Anyways, that's a uh, that's a folk dance associated with uh, Southern France. Uh, and I and from what I gathered, it became popular as a court dance during the reign of Louis the Fourteenth. So there you go. You went deeper than I did. I just found out it was I, a lively, passionate dance between two people or something like that. I just got the Google definition. Well, you're also not married to a woman who teaches dance on the side. So, you know, <laughs> so that's important for you to know. Yes, it I, is important for me. <laughs> it's funny. I didn't even know that that was the lyric until when I, when I kind of read through the, the lyrics today, I, I, I was saying something completely different and which was also probably my own made up word. We love misheard lyrics on this podcast, <laughs> though. So what? So what were you thinking the lyric was? I, I can't even remember. It was different every time. I, I probably just hummed over it. <laughs> there you go. There you oh, go. But also, this is my this is my my second to last favorite song. So I probably skipped the song. Yeah, more often yeah. Than, than not. Yeah, musically, musically, it doesn't do a whole lot for me. I do like some of the lyrics. Uh, the the please forgive me for my distance. The pain is the is the evident in my existence. Um, yeah, there's 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 some good lyrics in this, but yeah, musically for for me, this yeah, and I, I think it was the missing piano. I mean, I don't think the piano is completely missing, but it's it's buried behind the percussion. And I think that because I as I was listening to it the last time, trying to figure out why, because I. I, I think this is a great song. I just, but it's also the my number two, the second least song. And I think it's, I think the pre, the 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 more pronounced presence of the piano mist is is part of it. Uh, and it felt long. I think she re, she repeats the uh, it's that existence, distance, resistance part. She she does that. I don't. I guess too many times, and it made the song feel longer than it really is because it's it's under four minutes, but it. It felt yeah. right. Yeah, I'm I'm listening to this in my other ear, and the piano is really buried in the mix, and it's there's not there's not much to it. It's the the keyboard part is just like a tink 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 tink. So yeah, yeah, it doesn't have doesn't have the trademark Fiona. Yeah, when I first heard the record, you know, I I liked this song. I thought it was a great second song, but then when you hear the next song and the next song, the record just gets stronger and stronger. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which then pushed this song way down for me and made it uh, skippable. But if it were on a different record on its own, you know, it's, I, I would, I would probably love this song, but because the record is so strong, it's, you know, yeah, total, to- totally get it. All right. Uh, Wayne, what's your score? Two. Tucker. Two. I'm matching your twos. So we're all in agreement on this. All right, next song is Limp. You walk the badge of honor when you save my But you're the one in the way of the day of doom, baby. If you need my shame to reclaim your pride. Try you beat me with your bitter lies, so call me 
crazy Hold me down, make me cry Get off now, baby It won't be long till you be lying left in your own hands And I, li- I like to uh, predict what is going going to... Uh, <laughs> I knew you'd get it right too. I, I actually, one of the things I do now is try to predict what you predict. Okay. All right. Well, I predicted this. You nailed it. All right. Tell, tell me why you like limp. Um, I love it. Musically. I love it because it has this, uh, this brooding slow lead up in, in, I guess the beginning. And then it, it's almost like a sucker punch and the piano and the drums they, they just get more powerful and, and almost faster. And then just, and then the, the right at the, it's uh, my fingers turn to fists, which is a great, that's an absolute brilliant lyric because you're taking these independent things and then turning them into a, something united and strong. So it's got this cool lyric that everything just speeds up and kicks you in the head. And then of course the, the, the punchline of the whole thing is so emasculating. I mean, and having been a man for 51 years now, there have been a couple of times where I probably des- deserved a good emasculation after some misogynist comment or eye roll. So it just has this very powerful just punch. Like it just punches you right in the face. And like I say, but then it slows back down and it goes into this, this almost this rope-a-dope this slow brooding, very, you know, melodic. And then once again, it just, it does it again. Just sucker punches you and knocks you on your ass. Yeah. And I, I suppose that with a one word title like limp, um, we don't really need to um, explain it much further than that. Right. It's exactly what you think it is. I, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then the drum solo oh. at two twenty is <laughs> phenomenal. Guilty. Yeah, the percussion in this is sick. Is that is that more than one drummer? More than one, yeah. It's a couple a couple different tracks. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Tucker, anything you want to add? I mean, I I love this song. Uh, I think lyrically, it's it's amazing, and uh, I think that the the music is sick. I, I the drums in the song obviously are ridiculous. The drum sounds in the song are ridiculous. Um, it's funny, Matt Chamberlain played this drum company called Ayat Drums. Um, and talk about Sub Pop before with your T-shirt, Wayne, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're wearing a Sub Pop shirt. Uh, Will Goldsmith also played these Ayat Drums, as well as Matt Cameron. So I knew these drums were on this record, and they just sound phenomenal. I don't, you know, I just, I was just so into it. And then, the, the obviously, the, the drum break in the middle is sick. And then she announced that she was playing Saturday Night Live. And I was like sitting, like waiting for Saturday Night Live to, to come on because I was hoping she'd play the song so I could see Matt play the solo. And he did. And it was just, it was amazing. I just, I think the song is, if I, if I can, can speak so passionately, the song's the shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's get some scores. Um, Wayne. 10. Yeah. Tucker. Eight. All right. And this is my this is my four. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, look. Um, I I don't connect with the the those punk rock lyrics as much as my my co-host does, and so um, and that's not a reflection of 
that I don't think it's a good song because it's amazing. Totally. Yeah. Totally yeah. get it. There's, there's just a lot of other songs that I felt were, uh, were, were better. So, all right. Next song is Love Ridden. We already talked about how John Bryan produced this record. This is the first song. I know, Wayne, you, you mentioned the, the, the very first song, the intro song, where you got a John Bryan vibe. Um, this is the first song that I really felt like John Bryan kind of put his fingerprints on, on the song, especially with that orchestration, um, which is a good thing. I, I, I dig it. What do you guys have to say about this song? Lyric, lyrically, I thought it was uh, one of the stronger ones. I just, uh, I guess, I think the the orchestration in this one, I guess, took a w- bit away from the the melancholy. I thought just her voice and the piano might have been able to, I, I would have preferred hearing it that way, maybe. Um, but just the lines about, you know, it's only kisses on the cheek from now on, and then in a little while, it'll only be a wave. So there's this real maturity in this, in this break. I, she sees this, the end of this relationship or the, it's post end of relationship. And she's tackling it with a great deal of maturity. Right. And that's, that's a mature uh, leap from her first record, right? Yeah. Tucker, what do you got on this one? I, I love this song. I, I think it's great. It's definitely one of those, one of those tracks that is a background track for me. But it's just her voice is just ridiculous, though, and and I I feel like she could have done this any sort of way, and I would have liked it just as much. You know, it's I I I feel like she could have just sung this uh, in her bedroom, you know, or like and piano piano vocals, and I would have probably liked it more. But uh, it's a it's a rad song, but it's it's my number three. So so I'm giving it a vote higher because of the John Bryan orchestration you guys are saying yeah I would have preferred the just it being yeah I just think the, I think the the lyrics though I mean if you're just from a lyrical standpoint this you know she, even though she's <laughs> tackling it, it with a sense of maturity um, she's still very she's deeply hurt by it and so I just it feels like one of those songs that just the nice moody piano in her voice I think would have made the point even, even better. Okay. All right. I hear that. All right. So Tucker gave it a three, uh, Wayne, a six, and I'm matching your six on this, which leads us to paper bag. And I went crazy again today, looking for a strand. 
This was released as a single. Uh, I couldn't find any chart position information, which typically means it didn't chart. Um, I don't recall this being played on the radio uh, back in 99, 2000. Um, the song did earn Apple a Grammy Award nomination for Best Female Rock Vocal Performance. Uh, she didn't win. You guys want to know the other nominees? Of course. Yes. So Patti Smith, Glitter in Their Eyes. Alanis Morissette, So Pure, Melissa Etheridge, Enough of Me, and Cheryl Crow, There Goes the Neighborhood. Anyone know which one? Who won? Mm-mm. So it was Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow. I would have been my prediction. Yeah. And that's a great song, by the way. Yeah, I love there that song. Yeah. So I can't argue with that. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson directed the music video for this. Guys know the uh, that uh, Fiona was in a romantic relationship with Paul Thomas Anderson. I did. Yes, I did. And uh, John Bryan, he scores nearly all of Paul Thomas Anderson's <laughs> yes, movies. He does. So, so there's there's lots of connections there. The uh, the the lyrics to this. So I had to double check because the lyrics to this remind me of the movie American Beauty. Do you guys remember the 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 one scene where the uh, the daughter starts a relationship with? Um, I looked this up. So his name was Ricky, and and Ricky considers that the most beautiful image that he's ever filmed was a plastic bag blowing in the wind. Yep. <laughs> which I always that that scene stuck with me. I nothing else really from that movie stuck with me, but it's always been okay, that's really the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Um all right. Uh the chorus to this is insane. I love it. The hunger hurts and I want him so bad. Oh it kills cuz I know I'm a mess. He don't want to clean up. It's just great. So good. Wayne, Wayne what do you got on this song? Oh, this song kept growing on me, and I think one, and I, I even more so after I I had read. Apparently, she saw a paper bag and and thought it was a a dove, and then as she got closer, she saw that it was a paper bag, and then she wrote a whole song from that. And I've mentioned this before. I love hearing that where it's this simple thing that creates this whole bigger idea. Metaphorically, I love it too. Like you think it's. You think it's one thing, and when you get up closer to it, it's actually just garbage. And so, um, I thought that that was great. And then I love the lot the uh, it's all in your headline, and she makes it you know where she says you know I said everything is, and he didn't get the joke. And I just thought it was uh, everything about this was 
lyrically, I, it, it's a great song. I love the inspiration. That actually gave me a little bit, probably more of a higher score, but it grew on me. Uh, yeah. Towards as I, the more I listened to it, the more I liked it. Yeah, the lyrics, the lyrics, uh, and I'll just kind of paraphrase. Uh, the lyric is, but then the dove of hope began its downward slope, and then a couple couple sentences later, I thought it was a bird, but it was just a paper bag. <laughs> so good. Tucker, anything on, on paper bag? Lyrically, I think it's awesome. I also think that it's it's one of the more delicate songs on the record musically, like the brushes, you know, on the on the snare drum are so awesome. And I, I, I it's one of the most fun songs for me to sing, like in the car. Like I don't sing, but you know, singing in the car is different. And uh, it, this one's definitely the most fun cadence and the gymnastics of her vocals are I think are are pretty awesome in this song. Yeah, yeah. This is my nine. Tucker, your score. A seven. And then Wayne. Also a seven. All right. Leads us to a mistake. And this has a very criminal vibe to me. I'm not saying that she was trying to rewrite criminal, but uh, the song has that first record vibe, which um, I'm not going to fault because that first record is amazing. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys have to say about a, a mistake? Well, I, I, this one seems like it goes on a little longer. Um, I love, but I love once again, some of these great lines in it, like full as a tick. I don't know. If I've ever heard anybody say that and you completely know like you get an idea of how full when she says that like you it brings about an immediate image um and then i love the uh what was the the part about and if you want to make sense what are you looking at me for i'm no good at math i just thought that was those are that's just brilliant but ultimately john bryan starts with the computer generated noises that that's where it I lost some of it lyrically I like it sonically not nearly as much okay I like all that extra stuff it's cool all right should we get some scores on a mistake I am at a five on mistake all right Wayne four and this is my seven and sorry for the long pauses I feel like I'm not on my game today <laughs> did I mention that already <laughs> Can, uh, yeah. Can edit them out. <laughs> All right. Next song, fast as you can. Prove 
and this was a single. Uh, reached on the modern rock track, so it reached as high as number 20 on the U.S. Billboard Top 40, 29. And um, so let's go back to let's go back to Paper Bag. Why why would this song not be nominated for a Grammy, but Paper Bag was? It's a good question. I don't. Yeah, know. I, don't I don't know. I don't have that kind of authority. I question the Grammys all the time, so I'll I'll shut up now. Um, so I, I read a uh, I read a quote from John Bryan about this. He said, uh, "I knew I wanted it to be Matt Chamberlain on the drums. He can play all this beautiful machine influenced stuff." but with a human feel. And then he, uh, he added what he calls a very busy baseline idea uh, to, to Apple's keyboard. And that's what you got on here. So he said in uh, terms of the color changes, I'm coordinating all, all of those, but the rhythms are absolutely Fiona's and like we've already gushed all over about Matt Chamberlain. And I'm, I'm assuming Tucker yes. that you are all about this because of the percussion, because it's out of, out of this world. It really is. It really is. It's so interesting. And it's, it's, I mean, it's, to me, it's just perfect. You can't go wrong. It's fast. It's exciting. It's, it sounds like the, the sounds they got on the drums, the sounds they got on, on the song in general, uh, are out of this world. What what kind of sounds are, are they getting out of the drums? Because it again going back to one of the previous songs where I it it feels like maybe there's three or four different percussion tracks going on on this on this record uh, on this on this particular on this song. song yeah on this song so at this one I believe he's using like an auxiliary small snare um, as opposed to his main snare which he he kind of comes into in the there's like a, a section of, of this song that goes into the slow part with like the halftime kind of part. Um, that's on the main snare and it's real big and, and, and open. And then the rest of the song is just the, the choppy small snare, like really tight sounding. Yeah. Um, it's just a very interesting color. And, you know, it, it makes it sound like there's multiple things going on um, and multiple people playing, but I feel like it's just, just Matt Chamberlain just having all the cool gear and doing all the cool stuff. On this podcast, we, often compare stuff and like to put things into nice little tidy genres and, you know, compare songs and say, well, this kind of sounds like such and such. Um, I, I don't know if I'd ever be able to compare this song to anything. It is its own song. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I like. I love about it. This, this song is, is my favorite on the record. Um, Partially because I think it's the it's the song that made me buy the record because it was the first single, right? And I've never been typically like a, a singles kind of person, but I, I heard this and and I liked. Obviously, I liked her 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 earlier record, you know, and was excited for this one to come out. And then when I heard the song, I was like, "Oh my god, this is sick!" So this this is the song that kind of got me into the got me to go out to the store and buy the record. Very cool. All right, Wayne. Anything else to add? Yeah, I love the way the piano and the drums work together. Like, I don't know that I always associate, you know, when you think of piano, uh, 
you know, let's say Billy Joel, for instance, or whatever, you don't really, if there's drums, yeah, maybe in the more rocking songs, but like the stuff that focuses on a piano, you don't necessarily think of drums. And this, by this time, I mean, I've noticed it, I think here most, but I mean, when I went back and listened to it again, there's this real great, you know, combination or, uh, that's created with the the drums and the piano. Um, this song, I think when I first started listening to the record was probably my favorite song because I didn't really dive terribly deep into this when it came out. I remember I got title because of criminal and I, and I enjoyed it. And then I think I just moved in a different direction by the time this came out. So getting to explore all this other really cool stuff, this song kind of fell towards the middle, but it also it's in some places it's so contrasted that it's almost like two parts of two different songs. But I, I just loved, I, I loved the musically how he's, you know, the piano and drum combination. And then it goes into like, he was talking about that halftime part where then they bring in the maracas and create this whole different, you know, feel that's going on and her voice too. And this one, she, it's almost, it's kind of got this maniacal quality to it. Uh, so all that said, I gave it a five, but it's just because I, I really got, I, I guess, uh, discovered a bunch of new stuff that I hadn't heard before. Yeah. I feel like this is the song that makes you understand how she dated David Blaine. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. All right. This is, this is my top score. Uh, Tucker, you already mentioned that this is your, your top. Uh, Wayne? A five. Leads us to the way things are. going to throw this out there i feel bad about my score for this because um i just never connected with this song um wayne what do you got on the way things are i um i did this is one i guess i couldn't recall hearing before and it has it's got a i'm not that even in comparison to the other songs i feel like it has a bit of a dark a dark mood uh musically, but I, I just love the chorus of a keep calling me names, keep kicking the crap till it's gone. And as soon as I settle, I bet I'll be able to move on. Like once I, I get used to your shit, then I'm going to finally be able to realize that it's not worth it and go. But it just, uh, I really like this. Okay. Tucker, what do you got? I, I, I love this song. Uh, it's, it's got that greasy groove. It's just real slow and, and real eerie and, um, dark i i just i love how how just greasy and almost kind of lazy it sounds but in 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 a purposeful way yeah and i felt john bryan brought some of his 
you know, some of he was more subtle with his production and the, the stuff that he did mix in. It, it made it made a lot more sense. And I could say he, he took it felt like he took a little bit of a step back and let let the song do it, do most of the work. Really? Because I felt like he it was overdone on this one. Uh, I thought yeah. he I, th- I, th- I thought he like I say, he I thought he was a lot more subtle. He does at the end. There's like he almost it's sometimes it feels like he can't help himself. Like the last two or three seconds of this song, there's all of a sudden some 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 unrelated computer generated noises that just come out like I got to put something on here. There's only three seconds. No one's going to notice. But I thought to the rest of it, he, he uh, maybe he just stayed more uh, consistent with it. Uh, but I felt like it was more subtle and and worked a lot better for me. Yeah. Okay. This song and Mistake scratched the same itch for me as far as that greasy kind of swagger rhythmically. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is my low score. I just, like I really? said, I just never, I never connected with it. Um, Wayne, what do you got? Eight. And then Tucker? Six. All right. Next song is Get Gone. Because a price is paid And there's nothing left to grieve Fucking go Cause I've done what I could for you And I do know what's good for me Good breakup record. Oh yeah. 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 And I I love this song from you know, I I think that from the the, the previous two songs, you think that we're gonna slow it down a little bit, and then it picks up about what about a minute into the song and then just goes into all sorts of different measure changes and you know, the the little psych moments. Um there's a lot of those for this. It's a roller coaster, which um you know, that just I describes like relationships. Just yeah. describes relationships, right? Yeah, and I think this is her. This was for me her best vocal performance. Um, I think. I mean, if she does different things on here. There's a real Billie Holiday kind of that that that. It's in the beginning, and then an, and again towards the end, where she it's almost where she slows down to almost spoken word, but it has this real jazzy feel to it. Um, but yeah, this is a, com- a complete breakup song. Like she's figured out that he doesn't give a shit about her and she's going to get gone. Tucker, what do you got on this one? This is definitely one of those that no one had to say, like one more time with feeling, you know what I mean? Yeah. She's <laughs> definitely like, you could hear her voice breaking up and like, she's, she's pissed. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it, it definitely gives you the feeling that you, you know, I'm sure we've all said the same kind of thing with the same kind of grit in your teeth, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there's some great lines in this too. Um, how many times can it escalate till it elevates to a place I can't breathe? Um, yeah, there's just some, some good lines in this. All right. This is my eight. 
Wayne? That is my nine. Like I said, like I said, I think it's her strongest vocal performance. Um, and I thought the I thought the way John Bryan used this the string orchestrations in uh, was perfect. Like he put them in just just the right spots to accentuate whatever mood was what she, you know she was trying to convey at that that second. Okay. All right, Tucker. This is my four, and I feel bad about it because I wish it could be higher. <laughs> All right, um, let's wrap this up. This is the last song I know. What do you guys think about this song as the closer? Because it's it's very much a somber note, as opposed to um, really the last four or five songs prior to that. What do you guys have to say about this as a as a record ender? I was okay with it. Your score doesn't reflect that. Well, I was okay. I guess my I mean, as far as it being the the last track, I I think that it it is as good as. Yeah, if you're 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 making me stop listening to something, you know, I, so I guess I'm not happy about that in general. But to me, the reason my score is low is because this song sounded maybe a little bit too much Billie Holiday, Nina Simone. Um, so it didn't. I guess it felt there was a lack of Fiona Apple. I felt in it. Um, okay. But also the message. Like this one was kind of, um, you know, there were some lines about waiting and being patient Why he's, you know, with some, he's in a, he's in a, in a relationship with somewhere else. And after all of this really powerful, um, I'm not going to take your shit anymore. And, you know, your limp and all of these other powerful messages and this kind of this real self-empowered, you know, woman. Now she seems kind of like she's going to put Vulnerable. up with shit and yeah. And take it and kind of wait in the background. I thought the last verse was, uh, was was the best one about the the comparing it to you know an encore i think there was a line about cracking your head open or something and looking inside so the last verse do it out to me but ultimately this one it felt like it went in a completely different direction than than the previous nine songs that i that i and I, and that's not to say i didn't like it i just once again this was the least my least favorite sure tucker what do you got on this well, my, my score of one does not depict how much I actually like this song a lot. I, but it's it's one of those songs, it's like, it's almost so kind of somber that I can't always listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's beautiful. And, you know, so be it, I'm your crowbar. That's If, if that's what I am so far, it's such an amazing opening line. And the way she says it, I just, it, it's, it's awesome. It gets me every time. But, uh, 
it's definitely to me like it's 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 the last song it should have been the last song in the record it is the last song in the record and it's one of those like if you got the if you got enough in you to listen to it you know it, it's it's a good it's a good trip right but i don't always have it in me to, to get that low <laughs> you know <laughs> Like I'm gonna stop at nine because I'm still on a high, and now you're yeah, gonna, yeah. you're gonna give me a you know. Yeah. I'm not ready to swerve into that tree just yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Don't be a buzz buzzkill. Exactly. Uh, right. All right. Uh, so this is my three, Wayne. One. And then Tucker. One as well. All right. So this is where I ask. Um, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? Oh, I think we got it all. Yeah, I think so too. Um, any any guesses as to our top song? Fast as you can. Yeah, yeah. Both uh, both Tucker and I rated that uh, our highest. How about how about our second highest? Um, limp. So limp is uh, th- uh, tie for third. So paper, paper bag, bag. yeah, paper, paper bag. bag is our second with an average score of seven point six six. Limp and get gone tied for so average score of seven point three 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 for that. And then last but not least, and not by much, uh, on the bound was uh, was our fifth song, and it just barely barely was ahead of a mistake. The way things are and love ridden probably because our scores were kind of all over the place. That's a top, that's a solid top five though. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is a, a really good record. Like, I mean, you have, when you're ra- ranking something and not rating them, uh, it's yeah. I didn't feel good about giving any of the lower scores, but I really, really, I really like the top half of the, of uh, of my the the songs I liked most I really like I mean this but all together top to bottom this is one of this one of the best records we've we've done awesome yeah well I'm I'm uh, anticipating somebody selecting you know within the next year or so fetch the bolt cutters somebody's gonna somebody's gonna pick it I can't wait to dive into that record yeah. Like I said, go go listen to it for a second time because uh, the first time I listened to it, I was like, "Yeah, it's good." And second time, I just yeah, I've devoured it. Awesome! Yeah. I look forward to it. Tucker, this has been fun. Yeah, it's been a lot hey, of fun. I, I just want to say thank you guys for for doing this. It's such a cool idea, but also it's like thank you for getting me back into my favorite record of all time. Like it's such a cool way to. I, I love this record. I just had forgotten about it for so long. So I just I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Oh, it's great. So uh, remind our listeners where they can find all the happenings of Tucker Rule. Uh, you could find it at uh, Instagram at Tucker Rule. And uh, that's pretty much, I don't really use my website that much anymore. So pretty pretty much just at Tucker Rule on Instagram. I noticed. Yeah, I went to your website and there were still 2018 uh, Thursday dates on there. So. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got to call my assistant who is who is also me. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, th- that's the same thing that I tell people. I'm like, "Well, have your people call my people and by my people I mean me." Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. So, so last question, I'm lifting this from a fellow podcaster here in Orlando who does the Scotch and Good Conversation podcast. So Tucker, who do you know that I don't know who'd want to join us on this podcast to revisit one of their favorite records? And you can't say oh, Kaylee. I would say uh, singer of my, my band uh, Thursday, Jeff Rickley. Let's do it. Nice. Yeah. I think he'd be great. He's a, he's a absolute music lover, so it would be probably a really good time. And I'm sure he would come up with a super cool record because he's got great taste. There you go. There you go. We 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 love the we love guests who completely surprise us with their with their picks because like when I reached out to Tom May from the Menzingers, you know I'm thinking okay Menzingers they're 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 pretty hard, uh you know they consider themselves a punk band, and uh, then he picked a Regina Spector album. Awesome. <laughs> so to, like totally not expected. I just yeah. So that was that was really cool. It's funny you you have to kind of you, you get your influences. You can't always take your influences from the from your genre. Yeah, you know, especially yeah. when you're writing, it's kind of you got to you kind of reach outside the box into stuff that that you could be inspired by, not not necessarily your peers. You know. Well, Wayne, the the last episode we recorded with Chelsea Williams. If you listen to Chelsea's music, yeah. would you have ever thought that she would have picked Neutral Milk Hotel? I uh, know I would not. No. So it's, it's cool. That's, and that, that, those are the, the people that I, I feel like I'm gravitated towards because if you, if you follow us on our socials, you'll, you'll know that, uh, my musical tastes throughout the day are pretty varied. <laughs> I'll go from listening to, you know, from Michael McDonald to listening to Fright and Rabbit. So <laughs> it's just whatever, whatever the crap I'm in the mood for. Awesome. Well, uh, as a reminder, you can find all of our happenings on our Facebook page for the Records Revisited podcast. You can go to Twitter, at Podcast Records. Wayne Man's the Instagram page. Just search for Records Revisited podcast there. Um, you still doing your top 10 concerts? I have. I, I didn't post uh, number five, I think. I'm up to the, I have the top five left. All right. So anticipating that. You and I, you and I share one of our... Uh, one of our top tens because both of us, our first first uh, concert was Journey with Brian Adams back in. Yeah. Well, when was that? 84? 83. 83. August of 83. Whew, that was a long time ago. All right. <laughs> and as a reminder, you can you can find all of our, our previous episodes. Just go to all the major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Spotify, or you can go to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com and there you go. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. This is usually where I would say go to a live show, but you know what's going on in the world today. So please go support your favorite musicians. I'm sure they're doing some YouTube stuff, some some Facebook Live, some Instagram Live. Uh, please show them some love and and uh, go out and support them. Buy a t-shirt of the band. Buy a record. Uh, you can still visit record stores virtually. Uh, I just uh, picked up the Jason Isbell record from, from my local uh, record store, so you can still go do that. Um, just go 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 support go support your favorite local record store because they need all the love that they can get. 
We are records revisited, and we are out. Out. 